All right, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and we are in the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. This is, the Sermon on the Mount is the, I call it the wonderful teaching of Christ, the most wonderful teaching of Christ. You can't beat what we've been studying here for the last few months, and we'll be closing it out in just a few weeks, so, but today we get to look at a subject, uh, the subject of prayer, and I know we've talked a lot about that in the Sermon on the Mount, which is interesting, because this is the most talked about subject in the Sermon on the Mount that, that Jesus talks about. Out of all the subjects that he mentions, and he hits a lot of different things in this sermon, but he hits on prayer three different times. It's the most verses on any topic in the Sermon on the Mount. So to me, that tells me, and I hope it tells you the, the same thing, is that if Jesus is going to touch on in this sermon one topic the most, then it is the most important topic he's talking about. So prayer is vitally important to Jesus, and it must be vitally important to us. So that's our topic we're going to look at today, and I want to spend the entire sermon answering this one question. Does God answer prayer? And I think that's what Jesus is going to answer here in these verses, verses 7 through 11, and I think this is very important for us to answer. One day you're going to come across a time when you're praying, and you'll need to know with full confidence and assurance that Jesus will answer our prayers. So let's answer that question today. Does Jesus answer, or does God answer prayers? So let's stand together, and I'll read this passage to you. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 7 through 12, and we're going to answer that question Does God answer prayer? And Jesus will give us the answer very quickly in this passage, but you guys play along with me as I try to try to look at this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. This is an, an immensely important passage. Verse 7 Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye, the, then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men would should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So let's pray together, and then we'll study and ask, answer the question, does God answer our prayers? Let's pray together. Father, we bow before you this morning, and as we open up these scriptures, we ask for your help. We ask for your guidance. We ask that you, by your Spirit, would teach us these things. Write these words upon our hearts, so that we may not only know it, but that we may live it. We need this passage today. We need to, Everybody in this room, me included, need to be encouraged to pray knowing that our God in heaven, our Father, does in fact answer our prayers. We need to hear this today. We need our prayers emboldened. We need this. So please teach us this passage today. Please. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Statistics say that most people pray. I, I, I looked it up this week, and there was a poll taken throughout America, and here's some of the statistics that they had. 60% uh, of people pray in America, 60% of people pray at least one time a day. And I would say that's most of us in here, we all pray one time a day. 78% of the people that were polled pray at least once per week. 1% of the people in America never pray. 1%, that means 99% of Americans, and I know this is polls, and this is a general statement, but that, that means that 99% of all people in America pray. And then, you know, that, that, that includes even the atheists. That includes all other religions. Uh, the atheists, they say there's no atheist in a foxhole, that even in, in their time of greatest turmoil, they will reach out and cry out to God. So pretty much everybody prays. 
And I would say in this room here today, everybody in here prays. Everybody in here probably got up this morning, and the first thing you did, I know I'm guessing here, but I would assume that everybody in here, the first thing you did this morning when you got up is you prayed. And when we come in here this morning for Sunday school or when church started, we all pray. Our area is full of people that pray. Post that you are sick on Facebook and you'll get a hundred comments underneath it. And it's people saying that they're praying for you. People pray. We pray. Our, our area prays. Our church prays. Our nation prays. My kids pray. I was sneaking around the other night while I put my kids to bed. You have to do that with kids because you have no idea. You send them to bed, and an hour later you could walk in there, and they're sitting there on an iPad watching something, having no idea what time it is. So I get real sneaky at night. And I'll send them to bed, and I stay up a little bit later than they do, so I'll, with all the light, lights out, I'll go sneak up to their room and, 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 and pry open the door just to see if they're on their iPad. You have to do that. I mean, I know I would have probably done the same thing when I was a kid, but it was playing some kind of Nintendo but I, I slide open the door and I'm just sitting there looking to see if they're awake and they're still awake. And I hear them talking and I hear Isaiah who has a bed on one end and Christian who has a bed on the other end and Isaiah says, good night Christian. And Christian says, good night Isaiah. And I'm sitting there, I, I want to hear what they're going to say. I want to hear if they're going to say something bad about me. So Isaiah <laughs> says, good night. Christian says, good night. Isaiah says, I love you. And my heart's starting to melt, you know. And Christian says, love you too. And Isaiah says, have you said your prayers yet? And Christian says, I just did. Oh, so sweet. And Isaiah said, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll have to break up a fight. But Isaiah saying his prayers, Christian saying his prayers, even my kids pray. There's something about us that we know we need to reach out beyond us. There's somebody, there's something, even atheists know that, something out there that I need to reach out beyond me that's greater than me. So we all pray. Everybody in here prays. I would say most everybody in the world prays. We cry out to, to God or a God. But the, the question that we need to answer here today, we all pray. But the question that we're going to answer today is, does God answer those prayers? Does God answer my boys when they pray? Does God answer me when I pray? It's a simple question, and you may think it's a silly question, but I, I think it's an, an unspoken question. Because I think we all think that. Job in chapter 21, he asked that question, Does God hear me? Does God answer me? Job was in the midst of a, of a terrible trial, and he was asking God for help. And I think he got to the point where he said, Does God even hear what I'm saying? Is God going to respond? Is God going to answer? We all have those doubts sometimes. So we need to know when we kneel down to pray, does God answer? When I clasp my hands together and I close my eyes and I bow my head and I say, Father, is He hearing me? Is He answering me? Is it going to do any good or am I wasting my time? I need to know that when I say a prayer that God answers. I need to know that when I teach my kids, and I do, I teach my boys, you pray when you get up, you pray before you go to bed, you pray continually throughout your day. You need God's help in your life. You can't do it on your own. We can do nothing without God. I need to know that when I teach my kids to pray, does God answer? That is the question for our lives. If we all pray like I think we do, we need to know that God is hearing us and that God answers us. So does God answer our prayers? Does prayer do anything? Does it change anything at all? I need to know that answer. You need to know that answer. We need to know it 100% sure. Does God answer our prayers? And in Matthew 7, Jesus tells us, 
Look, look down there at me, at it with me. The first thing he says there is ask. And he tells us to ask. He's telling us to pray. He says ask there six times. Well, Jesus is six times in six different ways. I mean, ask is all over this passage. Verse 7, ask. Verse 8, ask. Verse 9, ask. Verse 10, ask. I mean, just, verse 11, ask of Him. It's just all over this passage that Jesus is inviting us. He is commanding us. He's telling us. He's calling us. Come and pray to your Father in heaven. This is the greatest invitation in the world that our Father, who created the universe, is calling us. He's commanding us. He's inviting us. Come and pray. What an invitation. He's telling us He wants us to pray. I want you to do this. He says, ask. I think it's seven times. Six times. I mean it, He's saying. <laughs> really. Man. I want you to do this. I want you to see that. He's saying, it's like He's saying it to you in this room today. I want you to pray. Man. God wants us to, to pray. He's available to us. Luke 18 wants us men not always to pray. Hebrews 4 says, let us come boldly under the throne of grace. And seek help and obtain mercy in our time of need. The Bible is full of invitations for us to pray. You say, well, Josh, you're still not answering the question. It's saying for us to pray, but does God answer? We could look at it logically and say, if He's going to call us and ask us to pray, then the logical conclusion is He's going to answer us. But I don't want to do logic. I don't do Bible. So look what he says here in verse 7. He doesn't just say ask. You see what he says there? He says that God will answer our prayers. And he says to us, for us to ask it says six times. And in this passage, he tells us that he will answer our prayers seven times. It's like he wants to stress inviting us to pray. Ask, ask, ask. And then he wants to say, oh, I really want to stress this. Answer, answer, answer. Look what he says. And you just need to pay attention to it. It says ask and it shall be. He says, seek and ye shall. You, you see that? Knock and it shall be opened unto you. It's not, I want to I go ahead and definitively state this, it's not a waste of time for us to pray. Amen. I, I want to say this, it's, He's not going to turn us away. God answers our prayers. When we bow down, when we put our hands together, when we close our eyes, when we bow our heads down and we speak to our Father in heaven, whatever it is you're asking for, God hears your prayers and God will answer your prayers. Amen. Let's say that at the outset. I want you to get that. The question of the sermon is, does God answer? And the answer is, you better believe He does. Yes. I say it definitively. God does, and the whole point of this passage is telling us, God does answer our prayers. And He doesn't just answer. He's not like me when my kids ask me for things. Sometimes when, I, when they ask me for things, I'm very grudgingly doing it. Yesterday, I was by myself with the kids, and Christian comes to me and said, Dad, can I have some rice? I said, wait a second, buddy. <laughs> Hoping he would forget and go eat something else. A few minutes later, Dad, can I have some rice? Wait a second. Grudgingly. A few seconds later, he comes back. Dad, I really want this rice. <laughs> I didn't want to get up. I, didn't, I was working. I didn't want to do anything. And I grudgingly got up and answered. This is not God grudgingly answering us. This is God gladly. He wants to answer us. He asks us to pray. Come and ask. Come and ask. Come and ask. And He wants to. He desires to. He wants to answer us more than we want to ask Him to. He delights in answering us. He loves to answer us. So Jesus is saying here, and I'm going to get into the points in just a second, because this encourages me. i got a quote here by John Calvin, and I know quoting John Calvin can get some people in trouble, but here's a quote. For nothing is better adapted 
to excite us to pray than full conviction that we will be answered. When you know that God hears you, when you know that the God of the universe answers you, then you will be encouraged, you will be motivated, you will have the desire. If He's going to answer me, then you better believe I'm going to pray. And that's the whole point of this passage, is He's trying to get us to pray. When we read this passage, when we study it, at the end of this sermon, you all ought to have fuel in your tanks that you want to pray today. You ought to be, I mean, it ought to be high octane in your tanks. If you're, if you're having trouble praying and you don't pray like you should, this should put the good gas in your tank. The, the expensive gas. I don't get the expensive gas in my, in my vehicle. But when this should, this should fuel you. This should make us serious about our prayers. This should make our cold prayers turn to bold prayers. This should excite us about praying. This should change the way that we pray God answers. So let's, let's look at how he explains this. Starting in verse 7. I'm, I'm going to go through this and show you definitively. Without a doubt that God answers our prayers. I want to show you first. And it's verses 7 and 8. I want to show you the beggar's cry. Because in this verse, starting in verse 7 and 8, it's basically a repeat of each other. These verses show us to be beggars in our prayers. That's what we are. We are beggars in our prayers. When you go to God, you're begging God. Look what it says. I just want you to follow the process of what he says here. And then I'll explain it. But he starts with ask. That's a very simple word. Everybody in here knows what ask means. And that's as simple as it, as it gets. Prayer is not us informing God of anything. He knows what we need before we even ask of it. Prayer is not us instructing God and telling Him what to do. He already has a will. He's going to do it. Prayer is us asking God to help us or to give us something. Prayer is just, we see a need. We realize I can't do it on my own. So we go to somebody who can do it. God. Amen. Understand me there. Prayer is I have a need. I have a want. I have a desire. I can't do it, so I go to the one who can. Like Christian with a rice yesterday. He can't do it. He had a need. His belly was growling. He goes to somebody who can do it. And he, what does he do? Ask. That's as simple as it gets. Father, I need blank. I'm asking for this. And then it goes on to the next level. And it takes it to a, another level. Because it's like, it's like asking wasn't enough. So let's go to seeking. Seeking is more. Seeking is next level. Seeking is intensifying things. Seeking is when I told Christian to wait just a second on the rise. And he'd come back a few minutes later saying, Dad, I'm starving to death. First time is, Dad, I'm a little bit hungry. 30 seconds later is, Dad, I'm starving. That's what seeking is. Our prayers are not meant to be a hit and run. Say it and over. No, seeking is a concentrated time. An effort given where we seek an answer from God. That we repeatedly go back. And that's what this is. It's present tense, which means keep on seeking God. We don't ask just one time. We keep on asking God. We are beggars before God saying, please give me this God. And then it goes to the, the highest degree. It goes from ask to seek to knock. You see that word knock? Knock takes it even a step further. Knock implies that there's an obstacle in front of you that you have to get down. There's a door there that's not open for you. There's something there that's in the way and I'm not getting an answer 
and I will not stop until I get an answer. That I'm going to keep knocking. That I'm going to keep asking. That I'm going to keep seeking. That I'm going to keep doing everything that I can do. And, and Luke 11 calls it impertinence. I like that word. Good King James word. Impertinence. You say, what is that? Is that is it, Luke 11 is the parallel to Matthew 7 here. But the word impertinence means that you're shamelessly begging. Impertinence means that we are aggressive, that we are desperate, that we refuse to take no for an answer. I hate to keep going back to Christian, but he, the first time he came, Dad, I'm hungry. And I said, wait just a second. The second time he came, he said, Dad, I'm starving. The third time it was, if you don't give me this, I might die. knocking. I mean, he wasn't knocking literally like that right there, but he was pulling at my shirt. He was tapping me on the shoulder. He was interrupting me as I was studying. He was doing everything in his power. Dad! 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 He was not giving up. I think he might have even faked a tear at one point. Just over and over and over. He was not going to give up until he's sitting in his room eating some rice. And he got it. Why did he get it? Because of his impertinence that he refused to give up. If he had given up after the first time, he wouldn't have had rise. All these things stress one main thing. Persistency in prayer. Jesus here is describing that prayer isn't an ask once and leave. Prayer isn't a let go and let God. Leave it at the altar. Prayer is persistence. Prayer is continual. It's ongoing. It's labor. It's work. The Bible says we watch and we pray. Stay up all night and pray. If you want something so bad that you're going to stay up and pray and seek God and knock for God to answer. The Bible says we strive in prayer. The Bible says we are to wrestle in prayer. The Bible says we labor in prayer. Let me give you a couple of examples if you guys want to turn with me to, to Luke 11. This is the Bible. I don't know that we pray like this. 11. The same passage I just told you is parallel to Matthew 7. But look at this. Luke, Luke 11, verse 5. This is Jesus' sermon on the plains, what they call this one, not the mount. Verse 5, and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him? In his journey has come to him, and have nothing to, I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, like me with Christian yesterday. And leave me alone. Saying it through the door. Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse 8 I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, but because he is his friend, and yet because of his, there's that word, importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And then he goes on there to say, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. He was given what he wanted and what he desired because he refused knocking. I'll give you another one. You want another? Matthew chapter 15. And this is all over. I had to cut out some, some different passages I was going to read just because we're going to run out of time with all these. But he's showing us what prayer is to be like. If you want to get your prayers answered, if you want God to to answer your prayers, you've got to be persistent in those prayers. Look what he says in Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. And I just want to show you this. Verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the 
same coast. And look what she did. She cried unto him. And she said, and here's the first one. I call this the ask. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She's got a problem. Her kid is possessed. But Jesus answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. She's not stopping. But he answered and said, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then verse 25, I call this the seeking, because she didn't give up. Then came she and worshipped him. That means she bowed down at his feet and said, Lord, help me. See that the second one. She's asked, and now she's seeking. Look what happens now. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Verse 27 is the knocking. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She's asked three times now. Three times. She's asked. She's sought. She's knocked. She has refused to give up. And what does Jesus say? Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Persistence in prayer got her the answer. We see this. I, I won't go through all these, but Jesus did the same thing in the garden. Persistence in prayer. Paul did it. He had a thorn in the flesh. And three times he sought God for an answer. Persistence in prayer. I, I've been reading about the Great Awakening. For 50 years in the 1700s and the late 1600s, they begged God for a Great Awakening in the nation. It took 50 years of them begging and crying unto God. Please, please, please. And finally, God showed up. Through delays, through opposition, through disappointment. Jesus is telling us here there must be persistence in prayer. Determination in prayer. Endurance in prayer. Until our prayers mean everything to us, they mean nothing to God. Let me illustrate this to you. An old preacher was telling a story this week. I, said, I like to listen to sermons and I heard this preacher, one of my favorites, was telling the story. He said he got called to an old lady's house one evening. She said, uh, Pastor, my son is addicted to drugs. He's in a terrible state. He just found out his wife has cancer. And <clears throat> stage four, and say there's nothing they can do. My grandkids are lost. They don't know Jesus. Will you come over and will you pray with us? pastor said, sure, I'll, uh, I will. He got there. There's the, the, the son. There's the, his wife. There's the kids. All around the living room. And the pastor says, let's pray together. The pastor said, I started praying the best prayer that I had. I'm praying for the drug addicted son. I'm praying for the cancer of the wife. I'm praying for the salvation of those kids. I'm praying. They're just praying so well, so eloquent in my prayers. He said, all of a sudden, the drug addicted son spoke up and said, are you going to pray yet? He says, well, I started praying harder. You know, I just started praying with better words. A few seconds later, that, that son looked at me and said, pray, preacher, pray. He said, I looked up at him and said, I, I am. He said, and when I looked up, I saw the mom sitting up there face down on the floor with tears running down her eyes, begging and pleading and persisting with me. He said, I looked over at her and said, I saw my cold, my well-worded prayers. And I saw her passionate plea to God. And I wrote down what he said. He said, I, it looked like she had went up through the, the ceiling, 
through the sky, opened the gates of heaven, went into the throne room, passed the torn veil, walked in, got a hold of God, and refused to let go until God answered her prayers. And the preacher said at the end of that, he looked at me and said, I, I don't pray like that. Until your prayers mean everything to you, they'll mean nothing to God. Is there something in your life, fill in the blank, that I want so bad that I'm willing to go up through the sky, open the gates, into the throne room, pass the torn veil, grab a hold of God, and refuse to let go until He answers me? Is there anything in your life that valuable that you need that much? Is there anything you pray with that much persistence and that much passion? Jesus tells us this is how we pray. Is there anything that you want that much? Is there anything that you would come to the altar and pray with tears? Is there anything that you would get on your face and pray all night long for? Is there anything that you desire that much? Have we become so spoiled in America that we don't pray like this anymore? Oh, we'll say, God bless America. Oh, God heal our nation. Oh, God do this. and Oh, God do that. But are we really wanting it unless we're praying like this? That's what he's saying. You want your prayers answered? Pray with persistence. Pray in this way. You, you, you got to cry out like a beggar. I know I'm taking more time here. I may not get done with the sermon, but we need to cry out like beggars. Like, like if God doesn't answer me, I won't survive. Like we really think, like Christian did, that, that if I don't eat, I'll die. I need it that bad that I'm asking and I'm seeking and I'm knocking. Do you need provision that bad where you will beg God to meet my needs? Do you need guidance in your life? Ask, seek, and knock. Do you need forgiveness of your sin? Do you need salvation? I'm not against uh, saying the, the, the prayer of salvation. You know, just a, uh, a, an outline of a prayer. And asking people to say that to be saved. But I am against saying that without a beggar's heart to it. Amen. You don't see that much when people say those prayers. In their heart, they're saying, Save me, or I'll go to hell. Forgive me, or I will die in my sin. Where's that at? Where's the beggar's cry to God that if you don't answer me, I will perish? That's what Jesus is saying. Our hearts have become cold. Our prayers have become dead. Our kids are lost and dying in this community. People are, are dying on drugs. And we say, oh, God fix it. And we go on. Where's the asking? Where's the seeking? Where's the knocking? We're not persistent in our prayers. We're not begging God. This is a beggar's cry. You want a revival in your church? Beggar's cry. You want our nation to be healed? Beggar's cry. You want your lost friends to be saved? Beggar's cry. You want our schools better? Beggar's cry. You want your kids saved? We have to go up through the ceiling, through the sky, into the heavens, through the torn veil, grab a hold of God and say, please save my kids. It's a beggar's cry. Have you ever prayed like this? As Jesus says, this is what gets the answer. Look what he says. And I've got to move to the next point. We might just get through two points today. Look what he says. When you ask like this, it'll be given to you. When you seek like this, you will find. When you knock like this, it will be open unto you. And just in case you don't believe it, he, he says it again in verse 8. And I wonder, why did he repeat it? He, he didn't think we'd believe it. Look what he says. 
for everyone. That's not the special elite Christians. Love that he throws everyone in there. It's not the whosoever of this passage. For everyone. Look what he says. That asks, receives. And he that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it opens. Jesus doesn't say that when we go to God, when you ask, God will say, eh, I'll think about it. It's not what he says. When you ask, he'll answer. That's my favorite thing to say to my kids. I'll think about it. They walk out, that thing never going to happen now. When dad thinks about it, he's not doing it. God doesn't say, I'll think about it. God doesn't say, don't come knocking on my door. God doesn't say, don't interrupt me. I'm busy. But over and over and over and over, He says, you will be answered. It shall be opened. Over and over and over. He's promising us. It's a divine promise. I will answer you. Maybe our prayers aren't getting answered because we're not asking them like this. God will hear. God will answer everyone. No conditions here other than asking, seeking, and knocking. Because God is ready, willing, and able. Amen. That's so good. Yeah. If this right here doesn't put the high-octane fuel in your tank, I don't know what will. God is more ready to give than we are to receive. We'd be fools now not to pray. Fools. Right? Amen. So pray. I don't have time, but I can tell you it's been a rough week. And all week long for me, preparing this, praying over this, putting it together. I thought somebody don't want me preaching this time. And it ain't God. And why is that? Because Satan doesn't want us to pray. And this sermon should be the encouragement that everybody in this room needs to start praying. Yes. If we walk out of here today and we say, ah, I'm going to start praying. And it ain't going to be cold, but it's going to be bold. And it ain't going to be dead. There's going to be life in it. I'm going to start asking, and I'm going to start seeking, and I'm going to start knocking, and I'm going to start expecting God to answer. You say, how can we know that God will answer? Are we supposed to take your word for it, Josh? No. Let's take Jesus' word for it. Well, look what he says. I want to take you from it, and that, that took me a long time to get through one point. But look at the next one. We saw the beggars cry. Now watch this. Verses 9 through 11 is the Father's care. Here we see the heart of God revealed. How can we know that God's going to answer our prayers? And this passage will tell us that God answers our prayers because He loves us and He's a good, good Father. Look what it says. He gives us an illustration. I love the way Jesus does this. He's done it throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He'll teach something or say something, and then he illustrates it. He shows it to us in a way that we can understand. That, that's how preachers should preach. We should follow the, the, uh, the example of the master teacher. That we teach something, we say something, then we illustrate it and put it in a way that everybody in here is say, oh, now I see what you mean. That's what Jesus does here. It's like he looks around the crowd. He says, verses 7 and 8, it's like he's saying, you guys ask, seek, and knock, and God will answer. And they're like, ah, you don't need to explain that to me. And he looks around the crowd and he says, Suppose you have a son. And I can look around the crowd here today and I can say, suppose you have a child. And your child comes to you and your child asks for a piece of bread. Would you give that child a stone? That's what he says here. Look, what man is there of you? It's like he's looking out of this crowd around the mountain. And he says, what, what man is there of you whom if his son asks, there's that word ask again, for bread, for bare necessities. Bread is the most basic thing they ate at that time. 
Would that father give him a stone? And a stone would look like a loaf of bread then. There's a comparison here. He asks for bread. Would the father give a stone? And then he goes to another one. Look what he says to the next one. Or if he asked for a fish. Fish was, again, it's, it's like the feeding of the 5,000. What they feed them with? But the most bare necessities of life, they had the fish and they had the bread. So he's asking just for something to, like Christian, asking for the rice. I just need food. Would the father give him a snake? This may not be a serpent here. It, 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 it more than likely means an eel, something that they would eat. That, that's unclean. Would he give him an eel? Would he give him something dangerous? Would he give him something that, that is bad to eat? Would a parent refuse that? Luke 11 goes a step further and says, so suppose the son comes and asks for an egg. And that's more extravagant. Eggs were extravagant then. Scrambled eggs. Would the father give him a scorpion that would reach up and bite him and kill him? That would be cruel, would it not? I'm asking you around the room here today. No father would ever do that, would you agree? No, no good father would ever do that. And the answer on all three of those, that, that a good father, no parent refuses food for their children. No parent, a good parent, turns a deaf ear to the cry of their children. No, nobody would do that. A good parent, like me as a Christian yesterday, I had a big bowl of rice. I had everything that he wanted. It took a while. It took a pull. And it took a tug. And it took a come on. But I answered the cry of my child. And I gave him food. You know why? Because I'm a good dad. Only a bad dad would say, no, starve. Or, dad, give me rice. And I turn around and give him a snake. <laughs> Who would do that? No, a good father. That's what he's saying here. Simple illustration, valuable lesson. Oh, we're good fathers. We, we give good things to our children. When they ask, do we not? I'm, I'm terrible about giving my kids whatever they ask for. To a fault. So Jesus teaches here, the very very next verse, verse 11, he explains what he means. So if you, talking to those guys that has the kids that he's in the crowd with, if you, being evil, he calls these good fathers evil. That's his divine assessment of mankind. You, you being evil. I like that he says, he doesn't say we being evil, does he? You being evil. Why does he say you being evil? Because mankind is evil to the core and Jesus is holy to the core. Amen. He can't say we because Jesus is holy and ye are evil. So he's looking around the room today. He's assessing mankind. Looking to all of us and saying everybody in here is evil. Morally corrupt. Man doesn't do evil. He says man is evil. Wretched, bad, very blunt here. We're all evil. But we still, you see here, we being evil, see that if ye thee being evil, not do evil, but be evil. That's our heart condition. But we being evil still give good unto our kids. We still love our kids. We can be evil and still love our kids. I'm evil. I said that I'm a good dad. I, I think I am. I don't want to brag, but I, I made the rise. And I did more than that. You know, I, the, the others started coming. From, Dad's giving food away. So the others started coming to me too. And I'm making bowls of cereal. And, you know, and Steph, Steph comes and says, what would you feed the kids? I just anything they ask. You know? And Dad's great. Feed me chocolate cake. I mean, it's just you know, anything coming. I'm giving whatever they ask for. I'm, I'm doing it to a fault. I'm an evil man, corrupt to the core, but I still know how to be good to my kids. 
It would take a evil to the highest extent to not feed their kids. To not have a natural affection for your kids is the epitome of evil. But me being evil and you being evil know how to give good to our kids. So we see a comparison here. If we being evil can give good to our kids, then what about a good God who isn't evil? What, what will he give his children? Let me say it again. It's, it's an argument from lesser to greater. If I'm evil, and I am, and you're evil, and you are. We all are. There's none good, no, not one. But if I'm evil, and I still do good to my kids, then God, who is good, what will He do to His kids? He's so much greater. And I want, I, it says that here. Look what it says. If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, then how much more, you see that? How much more, how much greater, how much better is your Father in Heaven going to be to, to us? You think you're a good Father? You're nothing compared to our Heavenly Father. Kids, if you here today, you have a good dad. Great, praise God for a good dad. But your good dad is nothing close to how good our Father in Heaven is. If your kids here today and you you have a bad dad, then understand, God is so much greater than your bad dad. Our God loves us. That's what a father does. He loves. Now I'll finish up here with this point, but my love for my kids is imperfect. It is. Sometimes I'm selfish. Sometimes I'm working and I don't want to give the rice. But our Father's love is perfect. Beyond perfect. John 13, 1, Jesus says He loved His own to the end. Astelios is what that word is. He means that He loves us to the max. That He can love us no more than what He loves us. He loves us infinitely. He loves us completely. He loves us totally. He loves us inexhaustibly. He loves us eternally. Romans 8 says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. He has a greater uh, greater love than we could ever imagine. He loves me so much more than I even love my kids. And I love my kids more than anything else in this world. But God loves His children so much more than we could ever even possibly love our kids. And He's good. It's who He is. There's a lot of evil in the world, but God is perpetually and eternally good. He isn't a vicious God. He's not an unloving God. He's not an unapproachable God. He is a kind God. And He wants us to come to Him. On Friday, my kids, I got a camera on the outside of that door in the church. I've got... I can see it pop up on my computer when somebody comes in, so you guys better be careful. And I saw on my computer it popped up there, my kids opening up the door, and I heard boom, 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 boom. I was in the midst of the busiest week I've had in a long time. But when I saw their faces pop up on that screen, and I heard boom, 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 and I heard boom, 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 boom. I rolled around in my chair. When they walked into my door, my arms were like that right there. And they looked at me and they said, Dad, are we interrupting you? I said, you never interrupt your dad. And one after the other, little Emma come up and got in my lap, kissed me square on the mouth. <laughs> little Christian come up, kissed me square on the mouth, nine years old. 
Little Isaiah come over and I puckered up. He kissed me right there in the forehead. <laughs> and then little old Gracie come in and said, hi, Dad. <laughs> I said, come give your daddy a kiss. You know, all four of them just hugging, just hugging. I said, you, you never interrupt me. You never interrupt me. I want you to come to Dad. I want you to hug your dad. I want you to love on your dad. I want you to be here. There's nothing I can do that would, that would take place of spending time with my kids. And you know what? I'm evil. I'm evil. And I still know how to give good to my kids. Can you imagine a good God in heaven when we cry out to Him and we ask and we seek and we knock. He doesn't do, oh, you're wasting my time. Oh, I'm too busy. He hears boom, 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 boom. Yeah. He hears boom, 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 boom. And when we say, Father, He says, come on in. Yes. Come on in. It's a good father is what it is. And we come to him and he wants us to come to him. I'm evil. I'm still like this. How great must our God be if he's like this too? That's good. He's not vicious. He's not unloving. And that's what they thought about kings back then. I ain't got time to get into this, but I'm going to. They, they would go into the throne room. Get this. I was just researching it this week. They would go to the throne room of a king and they would walk in backwards, scared to death. They'd walk in crawling, scared to death. Any way they could, just trying to hide. Because they knew that the kings in that time, if you walked in and done anything wrong, they were so vicious that they could kill you on the spot. But Hebrews 4 says, we can come boldly before the throne of, not the throne of judgment, not the throne of wrath, but the throne of grace. And we can seek help and obtain mercy in our time of need. What it says is, come on in, guys. Come on in. Our God wants us to come. Invites us to come. Why? Because He's a good God. I never complain about my kids coming to see me. And your Father in heaven never complains about you praying either. Not only is He a good God, but it says here, and I'll move on. He gives good things to us that ask Him. You say, what does that mean? This is so important. He gives, when He answers our prayers, He gives us only what's good. Not what we want. Not what we ask for. But His answer to us is, because you might have took point number one and said, wow, I'm going to ask, seek, and knock. Million dollars. <laughs> ask, seek, knock. Brand new call. You know, people use that. They, they do. They think, oh, this is just a, a blank check. I can go to God. And he's going to give me. I'll step on mine. Give me a new car out of this. He only gives us. I'm glad He don't give me everything I ask for. If He gave me everything I asked for, <laughs> everybody in here would be in a lot of trouble. My family would be in a lot of trouble. I know it's an old country song, but I thank God for unanswered prayers. And the answer is not unanswered. It's answered. No. <laughs> he don't give us bad things. He's not going to give us evil things. If Isaiah come and ask me this week, Dad, will you give me a copperhead for Christmas? <laughs> Dad, I want a copperhead. Dad, give me a copperhead. Dad, I'll take care of a copperhead. Dad, Dad, Dad. I don't care how long he knocks. I don't care how long he asks. I don't care if he keeps on seeking all night long. The answer is going to be no. 
You all should have said no at that point. But <laughs> why? I'm not going to give my kids something evil, something hurtful, something bad for them. And I'm an evil dad. And I still know that. I would never give anything to my kids that hurt them. Lies. I mean, look at the gray hair. I'm wise. <laughs> Emma said that the other day to me in my office. She's sitting in my lap. She said, Dad, you've got white hair in your beard. <laughs> I said, I, I, I know. I, I'm, I'm wise. I love them. I'm wise. I know what's best. I will never do anything bad for them. I will only give them what's good for them. And I'm an evil dad. Me being evil, no, I know how to give good gifts unto my kids. But the Heavenly Father, who is infinitely more loving than I am, and is infinitely more wise than I am, and, and is, He will always give us what's good. I love that. He, he, we don't get everything we ask for, but we always get good from God. Always. He will never, ever give us what's bad for us. Never suspect that you are being treated bad by your heavenly Father. Charles Spurgeon said this, It may be the crumbs, it may be the crust, but it's still the bread. Can we say it again? It may be the crumbs, it may be the crust, and my kids always won't cut off, but it's still the bread that's given us. Never suspect ever, that anything God has given you or placed in your life, nothing is it meant for bad. Everything that comes into our life is God doing good to us. Romans 8.28 For all things work together for the good. Those who love God are called for His purposes. Everything that comes into our life for the good. That's the only thing he gives us. He's never going to look down at us and say bad on them. It's the fatherly character of God. He is too wise, he's too loving, he's too good to ever fail his children. That's the father's care. And I've got just a few more minutes to show you the last point and I'll, I'll make it quick. But you need to understand that God answers our prayers in a good way because he's a good father. Yes. We need to become utterly convinced of the goodness of our God when we pray. I try my best to convince you of that. First of all, that He answers. And second of all, why He answers. Because He's a good, good Father. Third, this is a little iffy here. I hate to even say that. But we see the beggars cry. We saw the Father's care. Now let me show you the child's conduct. Because as His children, we are now expected to act like He does. And to treat people the way he treats people. Understand this. I know that this verse 12, it's called the golden rule. But verse 12 has been said by several commentators. They'll say it's an isolated statement. Unrelated, and that you should probably preach one verse by itself. But I can't do that. You know why I can't do that? Because the first word of verse 12 is, therefore. Yeah. And anytime you see a therefore, I know this is simple. It's there for a reason. It's connected. It's connecting. I made my sister laugh. It's connecting. I, th I thought it was a good one. 
It's connecting that, that word therefore connects to the verses ahead of it. So this verse 12 goes with verses 7 to 11. They connect to each other. You say, how does that work? And I'll explain it to you. In verses 7 through 11, we are described as beggars. That's what we are. We have nothing to offer God. We're all at the mercy of God. And God has been so good to us. He's shown us kindness and love. He cares for us. He's sweet. He's lovely. He's generous. It's the character of God towards us and that He's opened up His hand and loves us. That's what God has done to a bunch of beggars. So there's no way... ...should ever criticize, judge, or damn other people. You say, what do you mean by that? This whole section, verses 1 through 12, is teaching us how to relate to each other. Verses 1 through 6 says, don't judge. Verses 1 through 6 says, don't be judgmental. Verses 1 through 6 says, don't criticize. Verses 1 through 6 says, don't be mean. Don't be cruel. Don't be sarcastic. Don't be condescending. Don't treat people in that way. Don't treat people how you wouldn't want to be treated. That's verses 1 through 6. And then in verses 7 through 11, he says, here's how God's treated you. Oh, and verse 12 says, well, here's how you need to treat other people. Yeah, You need to treat them how you want to be treated. That's the golden rule. Whatever you want people to treat you, how you want them to treat you, you treat them in that same way. Amen. We will never be. And I love that. A beggar doesn't judge other beggars. Can we say that again? If we see ourselves as lowly beggars whose God's just shown mercy and care and kindness to, we will never judge other beggars. Unless you lose sight that you were a beggar. And there's a whole lot of people in churches today, Christian churches, who has lost sight of where they came from. Right. They no longer see themselves as begging from God. So they start judging the other beggars. I can't believe your situation. I can't believe your condition. I can't believe what you fell into. I can't believe your sin. The psalmist would say that we forgot the pit we've been dug out of. We've got all high and uppity and think we're something. We've lost sight that every single one of us that's saved here today came from a beggar's condition. And it's only by the goodness and the grace of God that we sit here today. But by the grace of God, there goes I. By the mercy, but by the goodness of God, I'd be in the same state. I'd be in the same position. You know what a beggar does? A beggar treats other beggars how they wanted to be treated when they were a beggar. That's what he says here. And I'll I'll go through this very quickly. But look what it says. Therefore, in in all things, whatsoever you would that men would do to you, that's how you need to treat them. I love that. It's simple. We should treat others in all things how we want to be treated. That's a golden rule. That's the Sympathy. That's how we ought to treat people. You know why? God has treated us like this. We should never treat others like this. Your sin is too bad. Your sin. There's no way you forgot the pit you've been dug out of. (laughs) 
You see how this prayer goes with the golden rule? Everybody preaches the golden rule in verse 12. Everybody talks about it, but they don't see where it comes from and how great our God has treated us. We want to treat others as God has treated us. Just a few questions and I'll close. Do you want to be gossiped about? There's somebody out there saying, yeah, sure. No, 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 no. You don't want to be gossiped about. Have you ever been gossiped about? It's awful. I get gossip coming back to me all the time. Such and such said this about you. If you don't want to be gossiped about, then don't slander. You want to be lied on? Then don't lie on. I mean, this is, this is, that's not what this verse teaches. And if we would all live by verse 12, understanding verses 7 through 11, the world would be a much better place. The church would be much better off. Maybe the world, because only Christians can live this way. Understanding their beggarly condition and the goodness of God, we now can treat other people how we want to be treated. You want to be laughed at? That's one of the worst things for me. Sometimes I'm preaching, I see people laughing. I'm thinking, are they laughing at me or something they saw on Facebook? They're laughing at me. You want to be laughed at? Don't be laughing. Don't, don't, don't laugh at me. Don't. You want to be nitpicked? <laughs> or, or people are nitpicking little I can't stand that. Then don't nitpick. That's what it's saying. You, you want to, to demand perfection from you? <laughs> I see that in churches all the time. If you ain't perfect, you, ain't, you don't belong. If you don't want somebody demanding perfection of you, don't demand perfection of somebody else. That's right. How about with your spouse? Do you demand perfection from your spouse? I do not. I told Steph that the other day. I hope you don't expect me to be perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect. That's the negative. How about this one? Do you want people to be kind to you? Yeah. Then be kind to others. Be generous to you. You better believe it. I love when people give me things. <laughs> and I need to be generous to others. You want people to forgive you when you do them wrong? You better believe it. They forgive other people. You want people to be patient with you? I beg of you as a pastor, be patient with me. Why? Because he's still working on me. I'm not the preacher I used to be. But I'm not the preacher I will be. So be patient with me right now. If I want you to be patient with me, then you know what? I need to be patient with you. I know you're not the Christian you used to be. Praise God. And I may want you to be over here, but I need to be patient with you where you are. Because I want you to be patient with me. I need to be patient with you. And we can do that because God has been patient to us. And God has been kind to us. And God has been generous to us. And God has forgiven us. It just goes over and over how God has treated us. We now treat other people. I'll give you another one. You want people to give you a second chance? And a third chance? And a fourth chance? And a fifth chance? Yeah. Yeah. Then give people second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. Jesus said 70 times 70 chances. 70 times 70 chances. Just keep on giving chances. How about this one? How would you want to be treated if you were a visitor walking into this church? Then treat those people the same way. 
How about your kids? How would you want your kids to be treated at school? And teach your kids to treat those kids that way. We need to treat others how we want to be treated. I'll say this and we'll close. The world would be such a different place. Understand me. If we all follow verse 12. If every single one of us follow this golden rule. Therefore in all things whatsoever you do. How about, how about at work? I've got another 30 seconds here. How about at work? What kind of boss do you want to be? What kind of then be the boss that you would be? Or the worker. What kind of worker do you think you should be? It's just, it's just every, in every area of our life. At work and at school with, with teachers and with students. All, all over the place. We need to treat other people not just how we want to be treated, but how God has treated us. That the world would be such a different place. The church would be such a different place. It wouldn't be half as judgmental as it is today. And I'm not talking about our church. I'm just talking about the church in general. It would be such a different place if we treated our pastor the way we want to be treated. If the pastor treated the congregation the way he wanted to be treated. And we treated each other the way we wanted to be treated. This would be the most loving and kind and gracious and generous and good church that you could find. And we just learned this simple golden rule. But you can't do that unless you know how God has been that to you. I'll say this and I'll close. Our families would be a different place. If I treated my kids how I wanted to be treated. If I treated my spouse the way I wanted to be treated. If we all just treated each other the way we wanted to be treated. What a difference it would make. So as we close. And he says here at the end. I like that. I, I ain't got time to do that. I forgot about that last part. For this is the law of the prophets. You say, what does that mean? This is the, the rule of the whole Old Testament. The secret to all of our relationships, the secret to our whole life is as simple as love God and love people. That encompasses the whole Old Testament. Love God and love people. It's that simple. No grace from God. Show the grace of God. That's the whole Old Testament. That's the whole New Testament. Love God. Love people. Hmm. If we could get this, everything else in our lives would fall into place like a puzzle. If you could get verse 12. So to answer your question today, does God answer prayers? You better believe He does. Yeah. Our God is a prayer answering God. Yes, definitively, over and over and over. I can't say it loud enough. Yes, our God answers prayers. Then what do we do with this, Christian? I'll tell you this. Then if, if He answers prayers, then the, the, the application is pray. That's the application. You need to take Him at His word and ask and seek and today. Uh, you may need to do it in your pew. You may need to do it here at the altar. But we need to start praying. That's what we need to do. We need to start asking. We need to start seeking. We need to start knocking. You need to do it today. You need to do it this evening. You need to do it tonight. You need to wake up in the morning and start asking and seeking and knocking. Feeling that blessing. I need want of God more than anything else. And you don't let up you get an answer. Do you want your kids We should be on our faces begging God to save our kids. You want your church revived, our area reformed, our nation back where it should be? We should be beside.
in God. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. You have not, it says, because you ask not. So we need to be praying. We need to pray often. We need to pray bold. And we need to pray confident that our God will answer our prayers. Pray. That's for Christians. If you're here today and you're an unbeliever, I'm not even going to go into it. All I'm going to say is you need to go to God as a beggar and you need to pray. You, you, you need to pray, yeah, the sinner's prayer. You need to go to God and tell Him that you're a sinner and that you're scared to death to die in your sin. That you need mercy. That you need grace. I know you're good and I'm evil. Please save me. Ask it. Seek it. Knock it. I must have salvation. I must be forgiven. I need Jesus. And don't let up until God answers that prayer. We, you need that today. It's, Become so desperate for salvation that you until God and forgives you of your sins. If you ask, you'll answer. I've never seen him turn anybody away who come with a beggar's cry begging for salvation. Our God turns no one away. If you ask, you'll answer. If you seek, you'll find. If you'll knock, you'll open. Why? Because our God answers prayers. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. For the time You've given us in this sweet passage. Very significant for us. I pray to the outset, God, that You would ride on our hearts. And that You would fuel us to pray. Oh, that we would pray. Oh, that we would become a praying church. Oh, that we would become a praying people. That we would be like the, the Puritans during the Great Awakening. Begging of You, please, send Revival, send an awakening, stir the hearts of our people, save our children. Oh, that we would become praying church, praying people. But most importantly, here today, God, I pray that you would stir the heart of someone here today that's an unbeliever, and that they would see their desperate condition and their desperate need of salvation, and they would beg and plead that you would forgive them and save them. Please, God. Stir the hearts of those here today that are lost. Please. 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 Save someone here today. Please. I ask. I seek. And I knock. Please, God, answer our cry. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.